Good evening, everyone. It's true, you are right now looking at a childhood dream fulfilled. In the second grade in Yakima, Washington, I looked out at the busy street in front of my grade school, Roosevelt Grade School, and I saw those crossing guards, and I wanted to wear the garb, and I wanted to have the sign. Now, we had a cool stop sign. This one isn't quite as cool. It says school on it. It doesn't feel as powerful with that, but, but I just thought that was so cool to watch that crossing guard stand on the corner. All the kids would collect next to him or her, depending on who was on that day, and then they'd watch for a gap in the traffic, at least a little one. It was a really busy street, and they'd get the flag out, and they'd hold it out in front, and then they'd march across, and they'd stop about halfway through the street, and all the kids would continue on as they held the flag making sure that every child got across without a car or a truck or a bicycle or some other moving object mowing them down. The crossing guard. I don't know if it was the uniform or the cool badge that we used to have to be that, but I always thought it would be fun. And today I want to introduce this uniform as the uniform of a hero. Now, I think maybe some of you are expecting Superman or maybe Wonder Woman. I have worn that uniform before. Uh, not the title, but the, the costume. It was a sight to behold. But Dustin Hoffman, in the movie Hero, it played in the 90s, and he played an unlikely hero in that movie. In fact, people thought he was too ordinary to be the guy that had pulled, risked life and limb to pull people out of a burning airplane. He, he was a little too ordinary, you know what I mean? He had flaws. Not everybody loved him. So when they heard that he'd done that, they had a hard time believing it. And maybe that's what you thought when I said that this is a hero's uniform. After all, a crossing guard is a little too ordinary to really be a hero. When we hear the word hero... I don't know what goes through your mind, but for a lot of us, we envision a burning building and a fireman rushing in and pulling three lives out and saving them in the process. Or perhaps you envision some other sort of daring rescue at sea by the Coast Guard, plucking someone off a jetty where the waves are washing over them or out of the ocean. Or perhaps you envision somebody like my brother-in-law over in Iraq and Afghanistan where they're intervening so that their comrades in arms, their fellow officers, their fellow Soldiers don't take on enemy fire and their lives are spared. But what every kind of hero has in common is this, that through a single act or a series of actions, someone else's life, the entire course of it, is changed for the better. And that's true of every hero. So what constitutes a hero from God's perspective? We're going to look at an account in Jesus' life today, and we're going to get to see how Jesus, yes, Jesus, was the crossing guard for some kids that wanted to connect with him. You and I, and in fact, our entire e-community, can be the heroes for the kids in our world, helping them to connect with Jesus. And this kind of a hero isn't just making life better, for the here and now. But in this scenario, we are the heroes that make a difference for eternity. Let's take a look at the Hero app 
as it unfolds in this story of Jesus' life in Mark, the 10th chapter, verses 13 through 16. You can follow along with me or on the screen or a Bible in the seat in front of you um, has one on the rack there underneath that you can pull from. Mark 10, verses 13 through 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. Now, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant, ticked off would be another way we'd say it. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms and he placed his hands on them and he blessed them. Heroes. That's what Jesus was in this story. I want to pray with you for just a minute. Father, I do just pray that we would see kids with your eyes. And Lord, that we would capture a vision from your example of our assignment with the kids in our world. Each one of us, Lord. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Heroes see something that others don't. They also overcome something, some kind of obstacle. And they do something to intervene in a positive way in another person's life. And they receive something. And those are the things we want to look at, the experiences we want to look at in a hero's life. And the first of all, all, of all those is that they see something that others don't. Now, my niece, Kara, was in high school at North Eugene High School. And the, the bell had rung and they were changing classes. So the hallways were packed. But Kara that day saw something that others didn't see. She saw a girl who was struggling to breathe, discerned that she looked like she was choking, came around the back of her telling her what she was going to do and perform the Heimlich maneuver, at which case the piece of candy that was lodged in her throat shot out of her throat and across the hall, bouncing down those tile, old tile floors. Kara was a hero that day because she saw something that others didn't see. There were a lot of people in the hallway, but only one of them saw that. Now, let's unpack this story because I think you're going to see that Jesus saw something that others didn't see as well. This was a crowd of people that were bringing their kids to Jesus to be blessed. And in Jewish culture, this wasn't an uncommon practice. In fact, they would typically take their children to a leading rabbi of the day and ask him to bless them. So the practice itself wasn't foreign something they'd never seen before. So these people, because you notice that it doesn't say parents. This was a crowd of people. It could have included brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, grandparents, and parents. Because that culture was not as segregated or compartmentalized sometimes as our culture is. And so it just designates them as they brought their children to Jesus. And the word for bringing wasn't just a single instance of one or two parents coming with their children. This was one of those lines that keeps getting longer and goes around the corner, and they kept on bringing their children to Jesus. And there was a variety of responses, two that we are listed here for us. The first is that the disciples looked at this and said, hey, stop it. Rebuke. You'll remember the word means to say no to something. They told him to stop. They reproved him, corrected him for it. They, in some translations, they'll say they shooed them away. Don't bother Jesus. 
But when Jesus saw this, he wasn't too happy about it. The disciples and Jesus were in the same scene. They were at the same place, looking at the same thing. But Jesus saw something that they didn't see. And heroes always see something that others don't see. You see, Jesus saw these kids coming to him, and he saw treasure, not trouble. Jesus saw these kids coming to him, and he saw importance, value, not insignificance. Jesus saw the kids coming, and he saw an invitation to bless or do good to these kids. And the disciples saw an interruption to their well-formed plans and better ideas. Jesus saw an opportunity with these kids coming to connect with them, the disciples, an obligation. Heroes always see something that others don't see. Jared and I had just gotten engaged, uh, and it had been announced in the print material there at Faith Center in the church that we were part of. And so a lot of people knew that, and, you know, people are always like, oh, okay, an engaged couple, goo-goo eyes, you know, all that kind of thing. And we were all going to take this romantic lunch date over at the Oregon coast. So we drove over from Florence after church on Sunday, and we went to this place called the Windward Inn. And as we were seated in the dining room, we looked in the corner of the dining room, and there was this family, a family with a couple of boys. And these boys had been in our third grade Sunday school class that we had taught as college students. And those boys were so excited to see us. You see, I have to give Jared kudos here because he had done some extra things with the kids, taking them fishing in what's called the mill race, uh, a place with no fish, but does that really matter, you know, with kids? And taking one of them to McDonald's. And so they were so excited to see us. Now, the parents were in the know, right? They understood. Okay, newly engaged couple on a romantic date. So they were embarrassed. But we said, oh, no, let the boys come on over. So... Our romantic lunch turned into a wonderful time with these two boys, Randy and Keith, and the parents had a romantic lunch over there in the corner of the restaurant. But you know, nine years later, Randy came and looked us up so he could meet with Jared because he wanted to talk to him about the crossroads he was at in his life. He was trying to figure out what God wanted him to do next in life. And he was dealing with some issues in his life, and he wasn't quite sure which way to go. And who did he come to? Someone who saw him not as an interruption, but as an opportunity, an invitation to be with him. Well, heroes also do something. They overcome some kind of obstacle. This is true just in everyday life, and it's true of crossing guards. Yes, when a crossing guard, their whole assignment is to make sure that kids on their way to and from school can cross a busy intersection or street safely. And as we mentioned before, they'll stop every moving object coming either direction, anything that would be dangerous to the child. So first of all, they decide when to put up the flag. And then they extend it and they help the child get across the road and not get stuck on the roadside with a constant barrage of cars. So I was thinking about this. What were the cars or the obstacles in Jesus' experience with the children in this account? Interestingly, it was the attitudes and actions of his closest followers that were getting in the way of the kids coming to Jesus. You know, today it's not a lot different. I got to thinking about how kids depend on 
parents and on adults in their lives to be the crossing guards on their path to Jesus, to help them get across the road, show them what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and how to begin that and how to keep going. And it's up to us to prevent them from getting mowed down in the process or having something too big put in their path so they can't go any further. So I got to think, what kind of obstacles do we have today that we have to put out the flag for and say, stop, so that kids can connect with Jesus? These are just four. I'm sure that as I'm mentioning these, that you're going to have ones that you've thought of from your own parenting experience or from watching other families or from your own encounters with kids. But first of all is the obstacle of a missing mentor or role model. A lot of our kids don't have someone in their family to show them what it's like to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and how you'd live that out anyway. On a recent Saturday night, Kevin, our student ministries pastor, was talking to the kids and took a poll, and only four of the 19 had both parents at home to begin with. And most of those parents didn't yet know Jesus. Now, they want to, they're going to, but they don't yet. So they're missing that role model, that mentor in their life that could show them the way. That's just one of the obstacles. But another one is one that happened right here in this account of Jesus. It's busyness. This is an obstacle that adults place in the way of kids. This is what the disciples were doing. We're too busy with other things. There's other things that are more important. Things like preaching to the crowds and healing people. All really good things. In fact, we'd say, wow, those are pretty important. But Jesus' point was that kids were as important as anything else that he was engaged in, if not more important. And that it was our assignment to clear that obstacle of busyness out of the way. To not be too busy with other things that we don't have time to give to the kids that are in our life. The third obstacle that came to mind was inconsistent or no commitment to a community of faith. As an adult, kids depend on us to help connect them with a real community of faith. We say that walking with Jesus is not a solo venture. We're meant to have each other around us. That's why we're called a body, because we want to have hands and we want to have feet. We need each other to make it with Jesus. And the kids are just the same. The kids need their community of faith. And so when we as adults are inconsistent in that or have no commitment to that, we pass that on. We essentially just throw away the flag and say, let it, let it rip. Let the traffic go by. Take your chances. See if you can get there. We stick our kids on the side of the road as they're attempting to cross over. They want to connect with Jesus, and they want to connect with people who love him and can help them on their own path to Jesus. You know that 64% of the decisions for Christ are made by the age of 18, and 43% of those happen by the age of 13. And you know that our children's ministry covers from birth to 13 years of age. So the majority of decisions for Christ from adults living in our culture happened in the ages that are happening right, meeting right now in children's ministry. And the rest of them in the ones that are meeting on this end of the building, in our student center, and in the midweek for students. That's this fourth obstacle 
then with all these kids and their opportunity to decide for Christ at an early age, I want to think about this last obstacle. It's when we as adults decide that we should leave them to figure out faith on their own. Now, Jared and I had some good friends that thought this for their kids. In fact, they refused every invitation we gave. They'd let them come to our house and experience God in our household, but not go to church because their philosophy was that until the kids were 18, they didn't want them brainwashed by any religion. And when they were 18, they could all decide for themselves. Let them figure out faith on their own. And that really was a train wreck for several of those kids. Now, the other side of that is, I don't know if any of you have ever seen, uh, you know, is, is doing it all for your kids, not letting them make their faith their own. I don't think any of you have seen a crossing guard who puts out the flag and then he scoops the kids up and walks them all across holding them. You know, it just doesn't happen. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about stopping the obstacles so that kids, removing those obstacles so that kids can continue to make their way to Jesus and make those important decisions to follow Jesus. We need to follow Jesus' example and be the crossing guard for the kids in our world to come to him. So there are some obstacles that we overcome as heroes with kids in his world. But the other thing that heroes do is they do something Every hero has a single act or a series of acts that cause the course of another person's life to change dramatically. In this case, Jesus made it clear. He said, let them come and do not hinder them. That let them come, let, allow, give them the opportunity to come to me. And don't hinder them. Don't stand in the way or keep them from coming to me in any way. Jesus stood in the path and he said no to the obstacles, which were the disciples in this case, who were trying to keep the little children from coming. And in this regard, every little thing that we do for kids to help them connect with Jesus counts. I love Matthew 10, 42, where Jesus says these words, that if you give even a cup of cold water in his name to one of his little ones, that you'll certainly not lose your reward. Now, a cup of cold water in that culture represented the minimal amount you would do as a host or hostess. The very least you would do is give a cup of cold water. So when Jesus said this, this has come to mind, he's saying, if you do the smallest thing that you would just do if a guest showed up at your house, if you do that for one of these little ones, you'll certainly not lose your reward. Out in the lobby tonight, when you have hospitality, enjoy hospitality, I invite you to meet some heroes. We just highlighted 10 to 12 people that are working with our kids and students here at E and the way that they're making a difference in kids' lives. And you can enjoy some of those. I was at a church planters intensive, and I had about 100 and some church planters and their spouses were there. And Sally, we were all sharing our stories of how we came to faith in Christ, and Sally shared hers. You see, she came to faith in Christ just about eight years before this, before planting a church. But her story didn't start there. Her story started when she was a little girl. In her entire first 18 years of life, she only got to go to a community of faith three times. It happened to be three weeks in a row. And there she met this Sunday school teacher who would get all the kids each week. She did the same thing, got all the kids in a circle. She lit a candle in the center, and they all sang, Jesus loves me, this I know. 
Now, that's not wow, that's not high tech or any of those things. But here's what happened. That was it. That was her church experience. When she got into her 30s, she started to, her life was falling apart. She started to see that she needed a Savior. And you know what came to her mind? That experience that she had those three weeks. And she realized that there was a God who loved her, and his name was Jesus. And she found a community of faith and gave her heart to Christ. But she credits her beginning with these three times to this one Sunday school teacher. Every little thing counts that we do. Heroes always do something. Angie James is a mother of two here at Evergreen, and she works full-time. She's finishing school, and she serves every weekend. Phew. I mean, I get tired just saying that in one sentence. She's a busy mom, but she's connected with a little girl who's really struggled to connect with Jesus because she has an out-of-control life and a lot of disruptive behaviors. She's lacking some of those role models in her home. Now, we've seen her grow because of Angie's investment from an out-of-control little girl to one who can enjoy the first through fourth grade class and learn about Jesus. She's excited to come to church now and excited to help others know about Jesus because of one woman taking the time to focus on her. Being a, cr a crossing guard for the kids in your life can be as simple as rides to church or a camp sponsorship or some personal time like a trip to McDonald's or a fishing trip or a walk or answering questions that they have without freaking out about what they are. I asked a few of those myself on my way to Jesus. Heroes in the faith always do something. Now, the real heroes in my life never wore a uniform. They never received a medal or any media attention. <laughs> and they were never recognized in that way. But the real heroes in my life were Ladina Lastly, my fourth grade teacher who showed me how to come to Jesus and prayed with me. Or Virginia Blankenship, my fifth and sixth grade teacher, who showed me how to have a conversation with God. Tell me how important that was, that I really couldn't have a relationship if I couldn't talk to him, and that I could just talk like a fifth or sixth grade girl to him. Or Dave and Jeanette Roth, and yes, they were related to Jared, though I didn't know him yet, who are my junior high leaders, all of these people, volunteers. And they taught me not only how to follow Jesus, but how to lead others to follow Jesus. And then there was Randy Edwards, who taught me to love God's word, and he listened to a lot of my freak-out type questions and would honestly tell me if he didn't know the answer. But he taught me to look at God's word and ask questions, and that that was okay. And then there was Tim Doty, who taught me that everybody has an assignment from God, and every assignment matters. And then there was Roy Bunch, the last one in my lineup leading up to my being 18 years of age and going off to college. And he taught me that walking with Jesus was a fun adventure, that there was joy in this life, that it wasn't just rules and regulations or trying to live up to standards, but that it was a fun relationship with him and a grand adventure. And when they saw me coming, they saw a treasure, not a troubled girl from a troubled home. 
They thought I was important. Then when they saw me, they saw somebody who was significant. When they saw me, they saw a treasure. My crossing guards thought it was important enough to help me get to Jesus without getting mowed over or stuck on the side of the road. Heroes always do something. And they also receive something. They receive a reward. Jesus said it well in Matthew 10, verse 42. But you know, he wasn't talking about this uniform or some sort of badge or medal. He was talking about the reward of seeing a changed life and somebody that would join us for eternity and experience God's love for the rest of their life. He was talking about the reward that he promises to anyone who'd do even the littlest thing for one of his kids. Our greatest achievements are going to be the things we did in Jesus' name for the least of these among us, of which children are some of the greatest. We too can be heroes or crossing guards for the children in our world. And really, this isn't a word of correction here at Evergreen. We have an incredible force at work. That is an incredible force of heroes at work. Now, if you're a parent, you might have noted that 43% of the population accepts Christ. It does so in those first 13 years. Well, 50% of those come because of a parent's help. So a parent isn't insignificant. And of course, you can pray for your child. That's one great thing you can do to be a crossing guard for him. But I want to encourage you to do something even more important. That's love Jesus with all your heart and keep growing in your own relationship with him. The best thing you can give your kids is your own healthy relationship with Jesus. That's the coolest thing you can do. There can be such a disconnect for kids when the public mom or dad is different than the private mom and dad. And I don't mean a good difference. Kids need a clear example from you and from me. We can do what we can to help our kids connect to their own community of faith. And you know, we have a single mom here at Evergreen who's done an amazing job of this. She moved here from Southern California. All her family lives away from here. And she has one boy. And she brought him to Evergreen and he got connected through Ignite. And he got connected, started growing with Jesus, gave his heart to Jesus, and her job changed, and she had to move across town. Now it's a 30-minute commute if everything's perfect. Often it's much longer than that for her to get here. But you know what her commitment is? She put out the flag and said, I'm not going to let a 30-minute commute keep me from letting my son or getting my son to his connection with Jesus and with his own community of faith. And she makes that trip faithfully, even as a single mom. And last week, the two of them were baptized together. Now, maybe you're a grandparent, and you're sitting out there, and boy, I'd love to say that we have some of the most wonderful grandparents that are crossing guard heroes here at Evergreen. I'd love to tell all your stories, but I'm just going to tell one. And it's the story of Dan and Patty Russell. Now, their daughter, Amy, she's here tonight, and Yes, they know I'm talking about them. I can say whatever I want because they're at Disneyland right now, right? (laughs) So we have sun envy or something. But Dan and Patty 
Amy loves to brag about them and their role in being a crossing guard hero in her kids' lives. So I thought they can give us some ideas as a grandparent of how we could be that. First of all, she said they give themselves first. The gift of presence, S-E-N-C-E, instead of stuff. She said they show up at plays and parties and all their school stuff. And they take the kids one at a time for one-on-one -on -one time. In fact, this weekend, Sophie, and she gets to go to Disneyland, and I'm like, I want to be your child, you know, for a little while. But that's their one-on-one -on -one time with Sophie. And then they know a lot about her kids' likes and dislikes, struggles and questions. And they know Amy's boundaries. And they support her in her parenting. They partner with her in that. But not only that, they share their faith story. You know, Seth, the oldest one, just went to Haiti on a missions trip. And before that missions trip, Grandpa Dan sat down with him, shared some of his own stories of his experiences on mission trips. And they looked at some scripture together. And Dan and Patty have lived a committed life about being transparent about their relationship with Jesus in front of their grandkids. Yes, that means the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's what transparent means. It doesn't mean I just share all the times I got it right, but we share the stuff that we didn't get right. And that's what they've done. Amy said, you know, it's part of our identity as a family, and whenever we can, we like to worship together three generations. Now, some of you are sitting out there, and you're like me. Your granddaughter's 200 miles away or far away, and you go, well, how could I do that? Well, you know, that's what's cool about prayer because you can always do that, and that's what's cool about technology because there's a lot of things that you can do that way. But like for us, what we've committed to is one time a month, we're going to connect face-to-face -face with our granddaughter. And there's all sorts of little ways. I've already put together her Easter basket, and it's not filled with candy. It's filled with a worship CD for kids with some of the latest worship songs for little kids because she loves music and worship. And it's filled with a storybook about how much Jesus loves her and some of those kinds of things. But it's that once-a-month encounter with her. And maybe you're a friend or a neighbor out there, and you're going, how could I be a crossing guard hero to my friends or neighbors? You can include them in your own faith practices. Yeah, that means an invitation maybe, but it also means building a relationship. With our kids, the way it worked is when we had friends and their kids over or just their kids, we were the same family that we were when they weren't with us. So if we pray before meals, they got to pray before meals. So I was doing that one day and Jessica turned to me and she said, could I do that? And I said, sure. And so I said, we close our eyes because we like to focus. I get distracted easily, I explained to her, because you don't really have to close your eyes, you know. But I wanted her to know that, that that's why we were doing it. And so we did, and then she said, what do I say? <laughs> and looked up at me out of the corner of her eye. I said, just I'll say the words and you can follow after me. She said, oh, good, you know. So we said a prayer together. And she said her very first prayer to Jesus. And then we had the, both the kids over. They're our kids' age, and we were doing the family devotions. Right then, we were doing the comic book Bible. Okay, some of you don't even think that's legal, but, you know, get over it, okay? Because it's really wonderful at certain stages in your kid's life, and we were always changing it up, what we did. But we were doing the, the comic book Bible, and so we opened that Bible that night, and it was the crucifixion story. Well, they break it up to, like, 12 little comic strips, six on each page, and then you turn the page and, you know, it's, a, it's the next story, the next part. And when we got to the 
crucifixion. Well, they wanted to know more. Tell us what the next thing is. They couldn't leave him hanging on the cross, dead. And we got to share the whole gospel with them that way. But build a relationship with the whole family and just live your life out in front of them. And then in the E community, we have in our church here at E, we have so many amazing examples of crossing guard kind of heroes. I'm going to share just three, and you can meet some more out there. And, and there's some standing right here, in the, sitting right here in the service. Sherry Clark is a grandma, and she serves in the fourth through kindergarten class at the 11 o'clock service every week. And her goal is that every four through K child who comes would know that they're loved and accepted by God. And how would they know that? Because they're loved and accepted by an adult who is the arms of Jesus. So she welcomes each one, lets every child know that they matter to her and to God. And then there's Jackie Moran. And I think Jackie's sitting right over here someplace tonight. Yeah, right there. And Jackie is committed to working one-on-one -on -one with a young boy who has some special needs. And she works by his side throughout the service so that he can participate and focus in the first through fourth grade class called Surge. And he's successful at learning and growing to Jesus because his special needs are one of the obstacles for him. They could keep him from really being able to hear the story or engage with God in that time. And then we have Dennis Minter, who's one of our crossing guard heroes with our students. You know, he's put together three cooking teams that are a professional quality serving team for our Ignite Youth Ministry in the middle of the week. And you know, Dennis and his teams serve and love students by providing good home-cooked meals week after week. You know, being hungry can be an obstacle when you're heading into a 7 o'clock service that's going to go to 8.30, and you've been there since 3.30 in the afternoon. That can be a real obstacle to focusing and experiencing Jesus. But Dennis has made that, and his team have made that possible to shove that out of the way. This last Christmas, though, he decided, let's go all out. And he created this expanded team of people who put on a Christmas extravaganza for our students. And it was a party held in the fellowship hall, and it was brilliantly decorated. And they had an over 25-foot-tall dessert Christmas tree. That sounds like my kind of Christmas tree, by the way, dessert Christmas tree. And they had this meal that they prepared that was, it was a family-style Christmas meal that was far beyond the imagination of any of the students, and most, for most of them, the greatest thing they've ever experienced. I think they truly had visions of sugar plums, or at least cheesecake, dancing through their head that night. But Dennis continues to look for creative ways to express to the kids that God loves them that he sees them and to remove any obstacles in them experiencing and encountering Jesus in the service that follows their meal every week. Now, on the back of your notes tonight, you noticed a whole list of hero opportunities to do something in the life of the kids around us here at E. And at the top is a list, and this isn't even comprehensive, but you can see there's a lot of opportunities. And tonight, out in the lobby, Kevin, Kim, Emily, several of them will be out there at the camp desk, and they're the people you want to connect with. If one of these is what God's talking to you about, if this is the assignment he's asking you to have. And in our larger community, here, near, and far, we love to make a difference. So homeless students are volunteering at Mooberry or giving to the orphanage in Uganda. Some of you are foster parents, and some of you have adopted children. There are so many ways to be a hero in the lives of our kids, to be a crossing guard in their lives. 
and change the course of their lives forever. I want to introduce you through this video story to one couple. Their name are Amy and Zach Franklin. Amy happens to be my niece. And you know, they went on a journey to discover how they could let two little orphan boys in Ethiopia come to Jesus and what their part in being the crossing guard for them would be. Let's take a look. Were there obstacles? Yes. Two young 20-somethings who didn't have any kids, starting out with two, didn't speak the language, cost thousands of dollars to try to grease the wheels of the adoption process. But they decided that heroes overcome the obstacles and do something to make a difference in the lives of the kids in their world. Now, our stories of heroism tonight are going to be unique, and they're not going to be exactly like any of the others that I've shared with you tonight. But we can all share this in common. It's tonight we can ask God, what am I to do to help the kids in my world connect with you? Then do that. Let's pray together.